You are listening to sermon audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net. What did you guys do this week? Did you do some of this? Thanksgiving type stuff? What's wrong with this picture? Huh? What about me? Yeah, exactly. How can you do Thanksgiving without turkey? Now, we kind of did that because we had ham, David and Sam and Nicole and Joy over here. There was turkey there, but we, I mean, the ham was exquisite. And I really didn't even get to the turkey. And it wasn't real turkey, it was just turkey thighs. I mean, come on. What are you thankful for? We've been talking about that this morning. What's Jay thankful for? Jay Miss. The ducks. What did the ducks do yesterday? He was an embarrassment, wasn't it? Talk about the arrogance of a team. Just to absolutely humiliate the poor little beavers. Yeah, payback. <laughs> I was last night, Nicole's over here, she's in the pit band for the Hermiston uh, football team that won the 5A state championship last night. Yay, bell dogs! Yes, very good. We celebrate all kinds of things. We were thankful for so many things. You know, if you stopped and thought about it, how many things do we have? I was talking with somebody between services, and we both have some experience being overseas And just the simple fact that I can go to my kitchen, turn on a spigot, and water comes out. And then put a glass under that water and drink it. Incredible blessing. That's just not true in many parts of the world. One of the people we support in Advent Conspiracy is Living Water. And another water project that goes with that. Just to bring the simple fact of water that comes out of a well. Even you have to go to the center of the village and pump it. So much to be thankful about. And we're beginning this short series uh, on joy, beginning the book of Luke. And we're going to turn to Luke chapter 1. And uh, I'm going to ask you to take a look at this and read along with me. This incredible passage, starting in Luke chapter 1, verse 5. I'm going to read it together. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless, because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appearing to him, standing at the right side of the altar. And when Zacharias saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. 
He will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will never take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of their parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. This is the word of the Lord for us to ponder this morning. This is the first in a series of vignettes that Luke is going to tell us. The next one will be the Gabriel appearing to Mary. Then it will be the two of them connecting as Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth and they'll sing together as women. And then we have the birth of Zechariah, the birth of of John to Zechariah and Elizabeth and Zechariah's incredible song of praise. Beginning of chapter 2 will be the, the birth of Jesus to Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem. And then later in that chapter, starting verse 22, it will be those two going to Jerusalem and being met by faithful people expecting God's promise to be fulfilled. It's an amazing thing in this storyteller as he unpacks this gospel, this good news. I look at this and ponder this together. Zechariah, Elizabeth, both of priestly line, both righteous in the sight of the Lord, observing all the Lord's commands blamelessly. So we see a a faithful priest. This outline I'm using is from Pastor Delaman. I like the way he put it together. This faithful priest who is righteous and blameless. Now I come from a theological tribe that says there ain't no such person except Jesus. None righteous, no, not one. Okay, what's the problem with that? What's the problem with that? The Bible describes Zechariah as righteous and blameless. He is joining a line of people beginning back with Enoch, continuing with Abraham, with Noah, with Joseph, with Job, Daniel, Elijah, Elisha, Joseph, who will be with Mary at the birth of our Savior, and on to us. If you remember back in the Philippians series, we looked at this passage. Do everything without grumbling and arguing, because that's what the people did in the wilderness after God had led them out of Exodus, and they were whining and complaining. And don't do that. Don't whine and complain, 
but rather remember God's goodness that you may be blameless and pure. How many does God want to be blameless and pure? Like all of us. And we often give ourselves a pass. Oh, you know, have patience. God's not finished yet. Actually, he's calling us to do this, to learn so we can shine among like stars in the sky. These people, but there's a but. Righteous, blameless, faithful, but childless, unable to conceive, very old, childless and disappointed, childless, unable to conceive, very old, a triple whammy of impossibility. And you have to ask yourself, and we'll ponder through this story, why? Why does this godly couple, who are singled out for their faithfulness and their blamelessness and their righteousness, why? No children. What did Elizabeth look like? Those who are listening online, you can download the PowerPoint and see the pictures I'm putting up here. Was she hiding her face when she met certain people? Of course, this is not just an ancient problem. The question mark, the why. is very present as well. The eternal doctors, the unending pregnancy test kits. I think of Susan, our daughter-in-law. But it's not just women, it's the men too. Don, my older son, and Susan, ovarian cystic disease. At least there was something of a medical explanation. But what it meant was that all the things that they had tried, and they tried all kinds of things, childless, unable to conceive, very old, I remember a day when Don called me from Kansas City, where they live, with a guarded hope. There's a baby in Susan's womb. I just said, tell me more. And he talked about how scared he was. The baby latched in her room five weeks and she miscarried. And Don was devastated. He went so badly to be a father. We didn't hear as much with Susan because we weren't as close to her in those days. We heard from her too. Childless, can't conceive, very old. It's not a 
ancient problem. And there are people in this congregation, I know, who are childless, in some cases unmarried, desperately wanting to be married and just to be a mom and a wife. And it's not happened. Others are married and sometimes there's medical explanations, more often there's not. And it's one of those things where, thinking back to Don and Susan and others I've worked with pastorally, there's an agony of emptiness. You don't want to talk about it because the tears come so quickly. It seemed like everybody around you is getting pregnant. Then you hear a story of somebody who got pregnant, didn't want the baby, and aborted it. And you want to kill them. Don't you realize how precious that is? And you look around and like everybody has an explanation for you or a remedy. And you just don't want to talk. You put it inside. And it eats out like a cancer because it's so alone. Childless. Can't conceive. Very old. Zachariah, Elizabeth. Why? They are from the hill country of Judah. If you look at a map of Israel like this and look at that particular spot down there by the Dead Sea, Jerusalem and south, enlarge it. There's the hill country of Judah. It's just south of Jerusalem, south of Bethlehem the famous nowhere town that became famous because two people came from that north of Hebron. It looks like this. It's beautiful. But nobody important comes from there. They come to Jerusalem. The city's north of Jerusalem. My analogy is like Drain, Oregon. It's a beautiful little town. But what comes out of Drain, Oregon? I mean, it's not a bad place. It's a beautiful place. But it's not where you go to when you think of major stuff happening. They're from Nowheresville. Zachariah and Elizabeth, childless, can't conceive, very old, nowhere, one of 18,000 priests. And while he's serving as a priest, well, you look at this, nothing special, nothing special, but specially chosen by God. Why? Why? Well, the factor is their faithfulness. Now, their faithfulness doesn't put an obligation on God. They can't say, because I've been faithful, God, you owe me a child or something like that. You can't say that. But when God brings his blessings, typically he works with people who are faithful in a situation where you're childless, can't conceive, and very old. Faithfulness is not everything, but it's a very important thing, especially in the emptiness and the silence of our life. I wonder, we'll ponder through this together. 
Zechariah, one of 18,000 priests, twice a year he would come to Jerusalem with his group of people from his area, 24 units, and he would be there serving at the priest and watching others chosen to go in and do the incense offering, which was a great honor. He's old. He's watched this happen many times. What is he feeling as he comes to serve and then watches other men get the privilege, men who aren't, maybe haven't been there nearly as long as he? But then I ask myself, what does he feel when the lot is drawn and it's his? What does he feel? When he's been there many, many times, year after year after year, faithful, blameless, righteous, and his lot is chosen, he will be allowed to go into the holy place for the only time in his life. What's he feeling as that lot comes up? No, I'm not going to give you the answer. And I've pondered these. I hope you will, because we're going to ponder these two together. But when you read a narrative, you've got to put yourself in the situation. You've got to look around and look at facial expressions, listen to tone of voices, use your imagination within the limits of the story, and live the story. That's what we're doing here. What do you feel? Burning incense, the assemblers were worshiping outside. What were Zachariah's emotions as he walked up the stairs to that big door into the temple to into the holy place for one time in his life. He'll never, his lot will never be in there again. This is the only time he's going to do it. What are his emotions? The excitement, the privilege, the, oh my gosh, I've heard about this. Now I get to experience it. What was Elizabeth feeling? She's a woman. She'll never go in. Priesthood is for men. Faithful wife. What's she feeling as her husband disappears into the doors, into the temple? Proud? Supportive? Excited? Wanting to hear every detail when they have their pillow talk that night. angel appears. Now remember, he is every single move, every single word is scripted. He's rehearsed it thousands of times. He's in there, he's doing it, he's reciting the words, and an angel shows up. This is not in the script. And what's his response? Why is he so afraid? Why is he terrified when an angel shows up in God's temple? You would kind of expect if an angel going to show up, that'd be a natural place. Well, I think I've got an answer for that one. Angels don't show up. I think he is on angel overwhelm. And he, the angel says, as angels typically do, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. For what was Zechariah praying? For a son? For a child? For the son? Now 
Now, we know he's praying for the son because it's part of the ritual prayers that he's said so many times as they recite the Messianic promises from the Old Testament. The expectancy for Messiah among the priesthood was high. He'd been praying for the son. Was he praying for a son? Remember, he's very old. They're childless, and his wife can't conceive. Is he still praying for a child? The angel speaks and gives incredible blessing, filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. He will go before the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children. And Zechariah recognizes almost every single word there is from the Old Testament, primarily Malachi chapter 4. And he hears these things, and it, it just blows his mind out that the promised deliverer has a forerunner of Malachi chapter 4, and that's what the angel is saying to him. His response? How can I be sure? Angel, I'm Gabriel. You be silent because you did not believe my words. How come? Why didn't Zechariah believe the angel? I mean, fill in with your imagination. Put yourself in that place. You're a priest. You've been praying these prayers for decades. Now you're in the temple and this happens. I'm not surprised he doesn't believe it. He just absolutely dumbfounded, overwhelmed, sensory overload off the charts. What's the tone of Gabriel's voice when he introduces himself? Because up to that point, he's just been an angel. Remember, angels are not cuddly little things in diapers on Valentine's cards. What's the tone of his voice? A lot of your theology has shown up in what you think the tone of his voice is. Many people hear deep anger. Why didn't you believe me? Don't you know I'm Gabriel? I'm more inclined to think, I, I get it. Let me tell you a little bit more about why, who I am. Done with a tone of gentleness, but firmness. Why silencing? Of all the different consequences for not believing, why silencing? I'm inclined to think the angel does this because Zechariah, as a priest, you talk a lot. Now just be quiet and watch God work and ponder. There will come a time to speak, but not now. The people outside What's Elizabeth feeling? She knows to the second how long it's going to take to do this ritual. It's so scripted. And he doesn't come out the door. What's she thinking? Oh my gosh, my very old husband has had a heart attack. I mean, you can imagine what's running through her head. And then Zachariah emerges. What's the expression on her face as she sees her husband's helplessness? This loving, caring, blameless, righteous wife. 
what's Zechariah feeling? As he emerges silently from the temple to face the people and to face his wife, knowing that he's been confronted by an angel. time of the service ended the week and they go back home, back to Nowheresville, back to the ordinary that will never be ordinary again because God has interrupted their long waiting with a powerful angel. It will never be ordinary again. Of course it never was. It just appeared to be so because of the fatigue that happens in the ritual and the normalness of childless can't conceive very old. His wife Elizabeth became pregnant, remained seclusion. What's Elizabeth feeling as she feels the promised baby moving in her womb? This very old woman. And she sings, The Lord has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Is Zechariah praying along with Elizabeth? What's he praying in his spirit? We had a glimpse of that at the end of the chapter. Pondering this together, the nativity story. Mike Rich is one of the super, super good producers and writers in Hollywood. He's a strong believer, lives, used to be at Southwest Bible. I don't know where he's at now. He did Secretariat, radio, and incredibly successful movies. Never had a failure. And he did the nativity story just because he wanted to express his faith in a powerful Hollywood video. We watch it every year at Christmas, at least. I commend it to you. Here's the way Mike Rich and his team put together the story of Zachariah. Pigeons will sacrifice. One half shepherd. No blemishes. One shepherd. This honor is for you, Zachariah. And your village. Shift ye a bit, Adoshem. Lachasot Banoam Adoshem. Ulbaker behe holo. Struck down, not be able to speak, because you believe it, not my words. 
Watch us at Christmas time. Powerful portrayal of this magnificent story. A faithful priest, and we see a fearful priest. Not normally, but faced with an angel, fearful. Yeah. Extraordinary. But he's also a faithless priest in this episode he does not believe and immediately we think of Abraham and Sarah in Genesis chapter 15 Abraham hears God say I'm going to bless you and he respectfully says God where's the child you promised a child where old Eliezer from Damascus is my heir where's the child you promised and God responds to him and says, you, this man will not be your heir. You will have an heir and you'll have descendants more numerous than the stars indeed. And Abram's response to get this incredible promise is he believes God. He trusts God. Absolutely impossible. But God promised it. He says, I'll trust you. And God says, that is righteousness. When you trust God, the promise of God, even when it makes no sense. Contrast Mary in the very next story. Matt will take us through next week. Same promise, same angel. How will this be? I'm a virgin. It is fairly important to have a man involved in the process. The angel says, don't worry about it. We'll take care of the details. And Mary responds, I am the Lord's servant. Be it according to your word. She believes. They're very different people. But the contrast is obvious And lastly, we see a favored priest, as Pastor Delamon put this together. And in this episode, we see him overwhelmed, angel-whelmed, maybe we could say. But later on, when the baby is born, and they're going to name him Zachariah, he gets a tablet, his name is John, and immediately his mouth is open, and everybody's wondering what's going on, and Zachariah is filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesies, and there's... 15 verses of incredible prophecy as this faithful man of God is pondering and he sings it out and we have that in our Bible. When I think back on this, this favored priest is slow to believe, yeah, but he believes deeply once he gets past angel dumbfoundedness. I'd like to be like that. I would. I'd like to be Abraham. I don't think I'm that good. I would like to be Zechariah. His silence is turned to singing. Elizabeth's shame is turned to rejoicing in the presence of God. But ask yourself, the professor in me, (laughs) what grade would you give Zechariah for his faith? We had a very, very, very intense discussion at preaching team this week. It was so fun. They tried to figure out what grade he should get. And there was some difference of opinion. And uh, we wrestled through the text of Scripture together, Josh and Matt and I. And 
Sean trying to keep up and Gabe taking notes and Jay checking his Instagram feed. (laughs) It's not totally true, but... We just had such a good time, such a good time, wrestling go with the text of Scripture. What do we do in light of this? In light of this incredible story of Zachariah Elizabeth, faithful, blameless, righteous couple, childless, unable to conceive, very old. They are, until the Lord lose, be live in faithful hope. Now, it's easy not to have hope in the fatigue of long waiting, in the silence of God, but you embrace your pain and disappointment. And that's where you speak it out. Don talked to us and to a few friends that he could open his heart to. Didn't have to explain, and we didn't explain, because there are no explanations, just to be with Until the Lord moves, you do hope. I like Catherine Kuhn's definition, the active, confident expectation of good based on the character of God. I will never forget the day when Susan was dying. And they couldn't figure out what was going wrong. They just knew that she was dying. They were scrambling to find out what was happening. She went to the doctor, and I got a call from Don on a Wednesday Dad? Yeah? You know, what's that going to be? Has she died? I mean, what's going on? And his word was this, we're pregnant. No, no, that can't be. Ovarian insistic disease. We know what you've tried so long. You're, you're, and I didn't say anything except, yeah? <laughs> but all kind of surrounding my head. And he said, we're 36 weeks pregnant. Well, it turned out it was 39 weeks. And Lizzie is now 10 years old. And she's got a little brother, Michael. But for 10 years, they were childless, can't conceive, and very old. Now he's the oldest guy in PTA. (laughs) Faith is life commitment based on sufficient evidence. A lot of people say faith is not needing evidence. Wrong, 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 wrong. No, 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 no. If you don't need evidence, that's gullibility. Do not commit your life on ephemeral things. Commit your life on the promise of God. The command in Scripture tests the Spirit is very real. Don't go for gullibility. There's so many people going on in some of the groups, the word faith movements, the prosperity gospels. They're telling you, just believe God. And you'll force his hand. No, no, no. On the other side, there's the distrust that says, I have evidence, but I don't like where it's going. Or I don't, I can't believe God or whatever. Avoid those temptations. Third, fourth, third. Why do I have a D there? It's a good question. Should be a C. Define life not in power. And we look at our world around us, everybody defining life in terms of power. There's all kinds of ways to get power. But so much is either is that search for power or you give up and become a victim. Don't define it that way. Or the ability to take control. What do you define life in terms of? It's in following the one who is in control. And in your emptiness, 
to go to God and his people and let us be with you in that. And then to serve faithfully, bring love and hope and goodness into the lives of other people and even in your own emptiness. Lastly, worship team, why don't you come up here. When the Lord is silent and you're very old and God has not moved, we listen to Jesus. And that's what this Advent season is about, is the coming of Messiah. And you look back to that impossible birth to a virgin in Nohersville called Bethlehem in a manger excluded even from family itself and there is the presence of God. But it doesn't end there because this same place ends up in a cross. And the hoped Messiah is now dead, cruelly, horribly, shamefully destroyed by the Romans, one more failed Messiah. How do you maintain hope? The women did. And we look back now with resurrection. And that's why we're not pessimists, even in the silence of God, because we believe God sends messiahs who will die for our sin and resurrected in newness of life to bring that life to us. And that's what we do is we come together and we sing an ancient song in fairly modern words, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net.